This is Growth Masters. The show for CEOs, CMOs, and anyone wanting to keep up with what's new in the world of business, marketing, and tech. You're in conversation with Robert Tadros. Hello and welcome to the Growth Masters podcast. I'm your host, Robert Tadros. Joining me on the show today is Louis Grenier, the founder of the most popular Contranian marketing podcast, Everybody Hates Marketers. Love the name, mate. Not only has the podcast reached over a million downloads with absolutely no ads whatsoever, it's all been done in less than four years. Lewis has got a wealth of experience, in fact, over 10 years of experience in marketing and has worked with businesses such as Dropbox and Hotjar. Lewis, mate, I can't wait to start this conversation. Welcome to the show. Let's start at the beginning. I hear you worked at Hodja for, for a little while. James tells me. Yep, I did. How was that? Marketing I manager so I started or? There. Yeah, no, I started there as in content marketing to build the team from the, the ground up there. So there was no really content marketing activities. Uh, so I got hired then, like nearly four years ago at this stage with uh, my ex-colleague now, Theo. So we were actually interviewed for the same role and ended up. Uh, speaking um, content strategist and editor and I got hired because of the podcast that I had started a few weeks before or a few months before because I got in touch with the CEO of Hajar through through the podcast and we got talking and then he told me that there was an opening potentially and uh, and so I applied and at the time I had my own business which was failing and I needed a way out so timing was good you know and then you lasted there for how long Nearly four years, three years and a half, which okay. which in tech years is like, what, 20 years? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> you decided that everybody hates marketing and then you've gone out and started your own your own thing, right? I decided that before. So <laughs> everyone hates marketers started before the, before Hodja. Um, I kind of toyed with the idea of it a long time before that, but it wasn't really crystal clear. When I started my own agency seven years ago, I was talking about the light side of marketing versus the dark side of marketing, that kind of stuff, you know, it didn't make a lot of sense, you know, exactly. I can see you frowning. Um, and so <laughs> like, curious, you know, like, anything, it takes, <laughs> like anything, it takes a while to, to develop clear ideas on topics, you know, and you need to kind of expose those to, to others. To see what they say you know like to understand like what kind of question do you come back with and whatnot so it's only after a while that i decided to talk to other entrepreneurs first and then marketers and then realizing there was something in there and it wasn't really a massive calculated move in terms of the trend in terms of knowing that podcasting would, would grow and grow after that like there was not no any of that i just wanted to do it to do it for the craft you know because i fucking loved talking to people and that's how it started so it started before Hodja, so it's nearly, we're going to publish the 200th episode pretty soon. I mean, when I say we, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice, nice, nice. Like, I'm curious, right? I mean, as a, as a marketer, I can definitely resonate with some of the, I guess you can say the some of the copy that you've written and some of the episodes that I've listened to. I mean, I, I get it, right? Like, there, there is, there are that, there's definitely negative connotations that come with marketing. 100%, hands down, I think, you know, if as a marketer, you can't admit that, then you need to get the fuck off the bus and go somewhere else, right? And that's this baggage, I guess, that we've inherited over the years as marketers from 
you know, hand-me-downs from one market to the other, misconceptions, you know, marketing ploys and all this crap, right? So what, what's your intention here? I mean, are you trying to expose the industry? Are you trying to like bring some, like some truth, some truth out to what marketing really is? Like what's, what's your goal? I'm curious. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to blame the marketers uh, and I'm not trying to do that. So I, I think the enemy is not the marketers themselves. It's what causes them to do that. What causes them to use short-term tactics? What causes them to like to 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 buy uh, email lists and just spam them? What causes them to be under pressure? I think there is huge expectation on marketers, on marketing departments, and marketing teams overall. And most of the resources out there are basic bullshit or you know common mm. common sense or reasonable like common sense, but they are not. Mm. And it kind of makes marketers who didn't necessarily get an education in marketing who just landed in digital marketing because they liked posting on facebook or whatnot mm. it kind of makes them believe that the only way to grow is to hack your way through it and to fucking try to find a, a plot hole in the, in the next algorithm on google or stuff like that while what i'm trying to do is just to to give them the right pointers which is evergreen first principles on marketing that will always work because they are rooted in psychology and how to actually grow your business without being shady, uh, how to influence the product, because that's another big thing. Uh, marketing is being seen as communications, you know, in a lot of companies where it's only there to just communicate about a product while marketing, the true form of it is influencing the product, influencing everything, right? Mm. You should know your market inside out. As a marketer, you should be able to know what is the next product you need to launch? You should have a seat on the table when it comes to, to innovating and coming up with new products. So that's the aim of it. I'm not trying to expose anything. In fact, in the two, almost 200 episodes, I never really do. I just interview people smarter than me. I try to summarize what they're saying and I try to make sure that people listening can get actual value. You know, the V word uh, in marketing, everyone fucking uses value. By value, I mean actually solving the problems that they have on the day-to-day, -day, actively reaching their goals. That's what I mean. That's an interesting point, right? I mean, let's go there for a second, right? So, I mean, I, I get the point around that marketers are supposed to have this crystal ball, right? And I, I agree that there is a lot of pressure um, and expectation that's, that's put on marketers, whether it's internal or, with, or within an agency, right? And I, you know, if I had to dig deep enough, it's, it comes down from business pressures. Right? So, you know, whether it's a C-suite or whoever it may be within a, a board of directors or founders or, you know, whoever that person is, you know, they they have a vision, they have a target, they want to get to a certain place, they know where their point A to B, or most of the time they know point A to B, and they need a marketer or marketers to get them to, to point B. And I think where, where I believe personally anyway, where this falls over is there's no alignment between business objectives and marketing I guess, objectives and what marketing can actually do, right? Because a lot of the times it's like, as a business, this is what we need to achieve. Here you go, marketing, you go and do it all. It's like, well, hold on. We're, you know, we, we play yeah. one cog in a very big engine. Um, yeah, and I, and I don't envy you, to be honest, as agencies out there. And I can, I, I'm going to tell you why. I think because you are getting a bad deal most of the time where you're getting companies that won't actually let you influence or even think about the product you're going to sell. So you're basically being hired to just ship the stuff. But what if the product itself is not good enough? What if, you know, and that's when it's such a struggle. And I, I had my own agency and that was one of the things that I struggled with the most is 
is that you're being expected, as you said, to reach huge objectives. But on the other hand, you're not giving the tools to do it. And mm. yeah, I don't really envy mark, uh, agencies. It's a tough job, marketing agencies in particular, really tough. It is. Look, I mean, you know, I can't, I don't want to generalize and say it's every, it's every business we work with, but there's definitely been some, some cases where, you know, certain businesses have come, have come to us with, you know, healthy budgets and, and what we, what we assumed, I guess, at the time as being a good product, but you, you sort of start to communicate, you start to market, you start, you know, trying to capture, captivate a certain audience and you realize that it's not going anywhere. Right. And you start to question your tactics and you, and your, and your plans but really what it boils down to it and this is not blaming the product but you know eight out of ten there's something wrong with the actual product itself now yeah. be that it's overpriced be that it's not you know compelling enough there's no real value or unique selling points as far as the product so look i mean i i, I get it and i think I, I i totally totally agree with you so yeah okay so that's, that's interesting so, so like you said seven years ago like what is What's the actual story behind it there? Like, why does, why did you come up with this? Everybody hates marketers because it's very controversial, right? Yes. So I could have gone with B2B marketing leaders podcast, that kind of title, but it wouldn't have the same, the same thing. So I guess there's two ways to go about it. You either create a very simple concept that everyone understands and you don't try to create any heat and, uh, or you, or you go the other way. So, I mean, the real story is I picked up a book at my brother's place in Paris when he used to be an engineer, very well paid, and he had this, this beautiful apartment in the near the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, I picked up this book, which is kind of the, the French version of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini, you know, talking about psychology principle and stuff like that. And I was only 17. And I remember that being one of the best books I had ever read and was like, this is amazing. And that's all always something that connected with me, understanding why people do stuff and how to convince them and stuff. So that's where really it started. It took me years to get into the business. I moved to Ireland to, to just do an internship for a company. Then I studied digital marketing, like for eight weeks, I did a professional diploma. Then I worked in marketing for a tech startup, ended up being like director of marketing there, had 20K saved in my account, launched my own agency in Dublin. Burnt out after two years, we were five working remotely. Burnt out because we had the wrong product to the wrong market. We were trying to sell conversion rate optimization and uh, programs to small businesses in Ireland, which is just a no-go, which is a big lesson. Mm. You know, you can't, you can't convince people to buy something that they don't want to, and that it's not in trend, that's, that just people don't even know about. Uh, and that's when the idea started, like during that time where I kind of, I was always pissed off by the practices that I could see and the nonsense that marketers were talking about or, or so-called marketers were talking about. There's a lot of lingo. There's a lot of bullshit uh, in the way people talk and the tactics that people use. And I just, I just never really liked it. So that's how it started. I, I, as I told you with the light side versus the dark side, and I toyed with it a long time. I talked at a few conferences, getting some feedback, conversations, and then I did a conference myself, I mean, a small event, not a conference, a small event, interviewing two CEOs. And I got very good feedback there. People said, yeah, I, I love the way you interview people and you really don't cut them in Slack. You, you really go deep. And I was like, okay, that may be something I can do more. So then I started yeah. to do Skype interviews. I recorded 10 interviews and I realized, shit, now what do I do with it? And I knew the concept roughly. I knew I wanted to like fight marketing bullshit. I knew I wanted to do something around like no nonsense, actual advice that will never kind of go bad in a sense. And I asked around and someone actually recommended, maybe you should use, maybe everyone hates marketers is a good title. 
so it's not me who came up with the title someone else's obviously the, the concept and all was that but i wanted to take a big risk i just was sick of just trying to do traditional stuff and trying to be this kind of watered down version of myself wearing you know a three-piece suit as a marketing consultant and all this bullshit and i know you probably connect with that because you don't wear a suit or at least right, not right now you know so i wasn't that was never me but that's what i played that's the game i played you know for a while so i realized fuck yeah. it i'm gonna do my own thing i'm gonna really be 100 myself and that's how it started so i published three episodes on the first day i got lucky enough to get uh, dhh from Basecamp. Uh, you know, one oh, of the wow. co-founder, and yeah, he tweeted yeah. it, and I got a lot of listens straight away, and then it died down. Then I got lucky enough to get Seth Godin on board after the 10th episode or something like that. Yeah, wow. and that's, that's when it started to pick up. But the reason why I got those is because of the positioning on the podcast. It's because it's radically different. Um, yeah. There is no ad on the podcast. I go straight away into conversation, and my interview style is something that people say that is quite different. And... That combination makes it radically different. And I think that's what helped me to pick up good guests from the start, you know? It's interesting, man. Like, I mean, to leave Hotjar after four years and pursue this full time. Um, yeah. Fuck, I mean, that's crazy, right? I so, mean, what's the story behind that? I mean, you left a pretty big tech. Uh, it wasn't, <laughs> I mean, it's not even a startup anymore, but like. No, you know, it's you, a magic tech company yeah, now. So, you, I mean. left a pretty big SaaS company, right? To, to pursue this. So like, you must like deep down really believe in what and i'm you know i, I get it right? like i mean once <laughs> but yeah what's like what's the story behind that like, like i'm sure you left a pretty good salary on the table there to, to to pursue this this podcast right yeah so the podcast is not exactly what i'm pursuing and i'm going to explain that in a few in a few seconds um mm. i'm not i haven't left hoja because of hoja i love the company uh if anyone's looking for a, a very very good job remotely hoja is probably in the top five of companies hiring remotely at the minute like hands down mm. but in the back of my mind there was always the plan to develop the side project on the side so investing a few hundreds of dollars every month to have a va to help me out so that i can work full-time without having to worry too much about the podcast mm. and just spending the time to interview people and i promised myself i'm gonna publish something every week no matter what and that mm. was my promise and i stuck to it and i'm so proud i've done that because it grew and grew and i said to myself i'm gonna quit when I feel the pressure from the outside where people basically beg me to quit, like to do something full-time. So the podcast is a channel, but everyone has marketers as a company is slightly bigger than that. So obviously that's the number one channel, but the idea was to go a bit deeper. So to think about what I like to do the most, where I was you know, being perceived to be very good at, uh, something that really is about you know, what I can do to help. And so the podcast is radically different. I've done a lot of positioning for Hotjar, repositioning it from an early startup to mature company. We did a lot of research, a lot of messaging work to make it work. Launch a few other projects in between, taking some big risk. And there's something that I've noticed while at Hotjar is that marketers, experts will tell you it's so important to stand out. You know, you've heard that many times, right? It's so important to stand out. It's business critical. It's absolutely, you must differentiate yourself. You must pick like this one differentiator. Yet... No one, or at least I've read, I, I can show you the books and can I show you the transcript I've reread and reread. No one is telling you how to do it. Like no one is telling you how to actually do it. When you have, let's say, a marketing agency that is like in a comp super competitive world, how do you, f how do, you do it? 
So that's that's the problem I try to tackle on my own. So while at Hoja, working on weekends and, and developing kind of a method using the books I've read, which is in my own experience, and trying to come up with an evergreen way to actually say, you know, it's not going to be easy, but you can differentiate. And those are the steps. And that's what, that's what I want to teach. So that's what I'm consulting on now. That's what I'm teaching on uh, using a high-intensity program of eight weeks. And the podcast, as I said, is, is a channel, but I'm, I want to go just the layer above, which is how to do the same, if you want to do the same, how to pick anything, whether it's a podcast, a newsletter, an entire product, and make it radically different. And it takes guts, takes a lot of risks to do it, but it is doable. So is this the eight-week program, like the stand the fuck out program? Yeah. <laughs> I love your direct... I don't even know if it's direct response copy. I don't know if it's just blunt out the mouth just, straight onto paper just copy. me writing just me <laughs> just as i you talk writing, right yeah. and I, I just i love i love the bluntness of it so i mean can you talk a little bit about this program i'm, I'm actually very curious at the what what the fuck is this stand the fuck out program <laughs> yeah but, so, so this is the this is the key like as i said as i realized i was getting annoyed about this particular thing that experts were telling you you need to differentiate and any book will, will, will cover the principles but never tell you how to actually do it I decided to do it so it's eight weeks where I decided to take a workshop style format where we would have weekly calls with the participants because I knew that was a highly emotional process what I mean by this is that yes you need to know how to do it but you also need the confidence to do it that's something I've realized over the years as well if you're not confident as a marketer in your own abilities, you're not going to try this little thing that might be a bit more risky. You're going to ask feedback mm. from everyone. You know, you're going to dilute everything. You know, you're going to make your curry less spicy. You're going to, you know, you're just going to dilute yourself and you go back to average things for average people. So mm. I, re I knew that this emotional stuff was super important. So I couldn't just sell a self-paced course bullshit videos. It just didn't work for me. And the other thing is my personality. I'm a good coach. I think I can challenge people who want to be challenged. And I, I can I can get, you know, on your face and tell you, make do it, you know, like you fucking deserve it. Just fucking do it. And people listen. People like that approach. I mean, some. And so I knew this intersection was was the key. So I started, I run the first cohort of Stand the Fuck Out literally a few days ago. It just finished a few days ago. We had 14 people, entrepreneurs, consultants, creators, people who had could influence their own product and services. That was very important and really needed to radically differentiate. And so the program covers stuff like, you know, how to get more confidence by reaching out to your friends and family and colleagues to get uh, how do they see yourself? What are your top strengths? Identifying your minimum viable market, identifying your category, engineering your uniqueness by looking at what others in your space do it and then do it with purpose, like picking something to remove and doing differently. Uh, and then Communicating that, uh, communicating that to the world. Uh, that's overall the idea. And the feedback has been phenomenal, to be completely honest so far. I have yet to digest everything. I'm actually running calls with every student right now. And the aim is to run two to three cohorts a year and limit the number of people because I need to be able to tell you and know you personally during those eight weeks so that I can help you the best. So I'm not planning to scale into like code. You know, you know the way some people which you know it's it's their business that's fine they would train trainers to then deliver the thing and did fine as a business model but that's not i mean for now anyway for the next few years i don't think that's ever going to be me because yeah that's not that's not the plan anyway so i'm going to stay small for a long time 
And small, small and nimble is, is always like, for me, I must say, like if I had my time again, look, and I don't know how much you know about Impressive. I'm sure James probably filled you in, but like, you know, we're an agency that's in two countries, two continents, 70 people. It's a lot of work, right? Yep. And it's not easy. And I, I've always looked back at the times where I've asked myself, you know, I remember Impressive when it was 10, 15, 20 staff, you know, and man, did we have some serious fun back then. I was involved very, you know, very much involved with clients. I got my hands dirty. I was on the tools. I was doing, you know, I was exposed to a lot where now I kind of sit back and go, and again, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love it, but it's a completely different world to me. You know, now it's like I'm navigating different teams. I'm navigating different countries. You know, I'm looking at things from a strategic perspective. I don't even do marketing anymore, you know, which is a bit that sucks. So what do you get, do? You know, I get pulled in every now and then, but really I do what, whatever the hell you call a CEO, quote unquote is, right? And it's like, if I had my time again, it's like, I, I wouldn't mind going back and doing the marketing stuff that I used to do because that's, you know, like, it's, that's what I love. But this is a transition that I'm going through at the moment of looking at, you know, engaging, I'm interviewing some CEOs and potentially put someone else so I can go back and do what I really, really like, right? What I, what I love doing. It takes some guts I mean, to, to realize that. It does. Look, and, and, I, and I, I really resonate with you when you said before, like you sit there and not necessarily yell at people, but it's like, are you doing what you're doing with purpose? You know, like I'm going down on the self-discovery at the moment to go like what I'm doing right now, what is my purpose? Like, why the fuck does Rob exist? Yep. I'm asking myself the same question, right? Like, it's like, why do I, why am I here? What am I doing? You know? And it, I'm not it might sound, sorry to cut you, but it's, that, that's, you mentioned a, an important word here that I'm talking about in the program a bit, which is the, the purpose thing. And it sounds cliche. A lot of people use it the wrong way, but I think, you know, the way to fight marketing bullshit, the antidote to it is radical differentiation, meaning it's about building a product or service that perfectly fits what a specific market needs and wants in a way that is done you know, differently than, than others in the category, right? So it's the intersection of your category, the product and the specific market that creates radical differentiation. It's the only way to do it properly or else you just have to put, to put lipstick on a pig and, and whatnot. And mm. to be able to, to pull that off, you must have intent and purpose. Like you must, it must come from within. And I know it's like, it sounds a bit self-help and philosophical, but it's actually what it is. You need this purpose. You need to understand why the fuck you're doing it because you need the strength to do it every day. It takes some guts to say no to everyone else saying, are you sure it's a good idea? You know, those questions. I'm not sure it's going to work. No, fuck mm -hmm. that. Like when they did Red Bull, just to take a big brand example, I, I'm going to give you a few more examples if you want to, but Red Bull, when they started that crazy stuff, the crazy idea, they did consumer tests. Everyone said it tested disgusting. They would never buy it. Mm. Like that's, but they didn't listen. They knew what they were doing. They took a negative and flip it on its head. They knew they mm. removed good taste because then it made you seem like you're going to get energy out of it. It elevated the benefits of the energy it tastes like shit, but gives you, gives you energy. And mm. if you start listening to others and you don't follow exactly what you're here for and what gives you energy, then you're fucked. Then you do average thing for average people. Then you don't stand out. Then you add to the clutter. Then the pressure is on. Then you do marketing bullshit. Right. And yeah, this is why it's so important. Like this purpose, this inner beliefs and you need confidence. So that's when, that's why the program starts with that. And people will be surprised. You know, it's interesting, like, and this is no word of a lie. I've been going doing this, like a lot of personal coaching at the moment and like personal yeah. development because I'm, you know, I'm at a point in life where I'm like, yeah, okay, I've done a lot of what I thought I couldn't do. And I've done it. I've ticked a lot of boxes and it's like, 
I'm at a point where I'm like, well, why the fuck do I really exist? Like, what is my purpose on this planet, right? I can continue what I'm doing. I can keep ticking boxes till the cows come home. But it's like, I can walk out there tomorrow and get hit by a bus. Like, what was my purpose here? What am I actually, like, what is Rob even known for? And I think, you know, you can get, at the end of the day, it comes down to psychology and, and marketing arguably is, is really much, is very much driven by, by psychology, right? And, 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 and human behavior. So even if you look at like Red Bull as an example, it tastes like shit, but the purpose is not for it to taste good. The purpose of it is to give you energy. So again, to, to you know, to, to elaborate on that, it's like, you know, they've served the purpose because the purpose of it was to give you energy right? It gives you wings or whatever the hell the tagline is. So I, I think you can apply that same thinking to, to anything in life, right? Whether it's, you know, like for me, it's like my purpose is not to be a CEO. Like, yeah, I'm doing it and I can continue to do it and I'm doing a bloody good job of it. But is there someone out there that their purpose is to be a really good CEO? Absolutely. Well, I need to find that purpose. I need to find that person. So yeah, so like it's, it's interesting because I've been, I've actually been doing a lot of work on this and, and it's good to see that you're, I guess, applying the same thinking and methodology to marketing where i'm doing it more from a personal development perspective right um so i guess it leads me into my next question and and maybe this is your purpose right but it's like well what drives you to even do this yeah but that's you know what i'm first i'm 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 impressed that you're mentioning this i mean it's not easy to again to mention that type of like not necessarily doubt but this journey of exactly knowing what's your purpose what your purpose is and, and whatnot a lot of people don't do it and just navigate through life by just being pushed around by others and what people are expecting of them or what they think they're expected of so it's good to hear and especially that. And, and even just on that like especially a lot of people in you know i'm not going to say high power but like c-suite you know influential people they don't like to show vulnerability because what yeah. i'm telling you right now is vulnerability right like it's that can Absolutely. be labeled as what like the fuck is wrong with this guy right now on this podcast even saying this shit but it's like well this is the truth right i can hide from it yep. or i can be very black and white about it and i and i think you're right like a lot of people in 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 senior positions just they're feeling it but they'll never say it because it shows weakness yep. and i and they, i'm actually they think go ahead man <clears throat> i'm actually of the exact opposite opinion whereas like if you're saying that that shows strength right it shows that you actually have recognized something that you're doing something about right so yep. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting piece, right? So to, to answer your question, that's this self-discovery is something I've done over the years and truly trying to understand, okay, why the fuck am I doing this? And it boiled down to that. It boiled down to radical differentiation, meaning I'm so, I, I want to help people to, to create stuff that, that is radically different so that people notice it so that they can make a living out of it so that they can be happy so that they don't have to use marketing bullshit literally that's mm. that's what i want to do i want to empower as many people to do that as possible and i don't want to give them fluff i don't want to just drown them in principles and immutable laws of branding and marketing where you don't have any fucking clue how to do it an example mm. just quickly there's this trend at the minute i don't know if you've if you've uh, if you're exposed to that in my bubble anyway i'm exposed to it a lot on category design and category creation, right? This thinking that you must create a new category, this new blue ocean that you're, mm-hmm. on, you know, you're on your own swimming in it, and it's all peaceful and people come to you. And, <laughs> fuck that! Like this is the type of thing that people are being taught, even as consultants, where you you only have like a few thousands a month to invest in teaching you. You need to create your blue ocean. Most of it is is bullshit. It only works for big brands with millions and millions. And even if they could try to pull it off. It's very rare that it's actually done properly. There's a lot of like biases advice about blue ocean thinking. Uh, the, the book is great in itself, but it 
kind of lies to you to teach you that yeah you can create your blue ocean they for example give you this example of a a fryer the active fryer which created its own blue a fry maker which created its own blue ocean by uh, instead of using too much oil it's only using one teaspoon of oil for two kilos of fries or something like that and they said oh it's a new blue ocean anyone they can't compete with that that's not a blue ocean. It's maybe they've sailed to the edges of the red ocean full of blood, but they still compete against fucking other fry makers that use plenty of oil, you know? So <laughs> innovation is never creating something from scratch, from zero. And founders yeah. really want that. You know, they want this uniqueness and they want, I need to come up with this brilliant new idea that no one has come up with. No, that's not how it works. You take something that already exists. You make it so that it's the perfect answer for specific market. That's super important, mm -hmm. very specific market. And then you remove a lot of things from the existing category, the existing products that compete with you, add a few bits, you know, and, and you engineer something that is, that is unique, but you don't engineer it from scratch. You always lean against something else. Anyway, that's one example. So that's my purpose. I want to just teach people how to do it. And I don't want to give them generic advice. It's like the old saying, like, it's like, why reinvent the wheel? Right. I mean, the wheel's there and it turns, but you could use that wheel to serve another purpose. Right. It's the concept yep. is the concept. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, what can I say? It makes a lot of sense. Right. And I think you can spend a lot of time and effort trying to create something new and a new ocean. But why? Like, just use something that's already there. And as you said, just sort of build on it. Right. It's a big psychology, psychological thing. That's what I realized over the years talking to people. It's a very selfish not selfish in a sense, I blame you for that. It's normal, like we are like we are humans and that's what we do. But it's a selfish endeavor where, you know, my own creation, I'm going to think about it from scratch. I'm going to invent something. It's very, it comes from this, this need as humans to stand out and to be unique and to be loved. And But it's not how it works. If you think about any new so-called category, they're not new. They're just adding or removing from something that exists for a specific market. And I can't repeat that enough. The only way to radically stand out is to pick a market that is small enough that you can really own. And that means niching down. That means really layering down to the point where you're the best answer for them. And then you can scale if you want to. Yeah. You must start with something very small. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like when I started Impressive, right? Like everyone was like, you're fucking crazy. What's wrong with you? You're going to start another agency? <laughs> and I was like... Yeah, but this isn't going to be your typical agency. So I actually went completely against the grain. And everybody was do? like, there's like, well, I just did everything that an agency doesn't do. <laughs> so everyone was like, Rob, this is not going to work. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to gamble. It's my own money. I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm betting on myself here. And I mean, you know, without bragging, I mean, look where we are now. So we specialize, we didn't generalize. So every agency in the market at the time and till now is a full service fucking agency that does everything. Yep. And my argument was always, what are you good at? Like, what are you, like, you have to have some strength. You can't be good at bloody everything, right? You become the jack of all trades, the master of none. And I, you know, very much like you, I've sat on the other side of the tables. There's like three parts to this table, right? There's the client side, there's the agency side, and then there's the corporate. And I did all three. And I was like, there's no synergy between these guys, right? They're all speaking different bloody languages. The expectations are not aligned. Everything was just so very congested and, and just out of place. So I took the agency model and I literally flipped it on its head. I built, I guess what I probably refer to as a SaaS business was mar with marketing as a product. And that was my way to cut through a lot of the bullshit in the agency landscape. And I picked what we were very good at, which till this day, it's, it's just performance media. That's all we do. We don't do, we don't do everything, everything else, right? Performance is what we're very good at. Hence, you know, it's, we're pioneering performance and 
from that, then I sort of define what our value props are and what our unique selling points are and why we exist as an agency. And I, I still, till this day, I find way too many agencies are popping up on a daily basis that just don't, they do the same shit as everybody else. We're insane. a full service agency. It's, you know, it's like, insane, fucking man. hell, you're a full service, another so, full service agency. <laughs> just out of curiosity, do you serve a specific type of industry or vertical or is it more just performance or any any type no no we, we we yes and no so when i first started i tackled i was like where is the most competitive industry because if i'm going to trial this i'm going to go i'm going to go to like the hardest industry out there i'm going to go after it so i went to ecom right i was like e-commerce okay. i'm going right there right so if you're an ecom brand i was happy to take you on and then i thought that's still very broad right i need to niche even further so i went to like ecom fashion and apparel like literally one of the most competitive industries on a global scale. And we dominated it. Like literally for like two years, that's all we did was, was fashion and apparel. And it's like, if you had a fashion label in Australia or even in the US now, you just went to impress it. Like you didn't fucking go anywhere else. So um, let me let me pause here yeah. because I mean, now I'm interviewing you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, go for it, man. Uh, no, it. but that's te textbook example. That yeah. Textbook example. So you picked a category, which is like marketing agencies. You think hard about not how do I serve everyone so I make a lot of money, but how do I niche down so I make a lot of money? That's how it works. And you picked what you were good at. So it came from within performance media for a specific vertical. And you didn't even go, you went further. It's not just e-commerce. You went fashion and apparel in Australia, right? Particularly. Mm -hmm. So that's the textbook definition. You have your category, the value you provide and the specific market. And now you might offer to more industries. Now you might have a bit more services around it. But the way you were able to scale to 70 is because you took the risk at the start and thought hard about it and created something radically different. And voila, there you are. So if you had started, it's easier to reinvent, to look at successes and, and think back of what worked and whatnot, like a bit of survivorship bias. But if you think back and if you had started as a general agency for anyone, I don't know if you had, if you would have had the same success. So Perfect example. Thanks for sharing. Look, I mean, hindsight's a good thing, right? But I, I know hands down that if I had started as a full service agency, the jack of all trades, you know, and actually, sorry. So there's a very important point here, Lewis, that I didn't, that I did mention. When I first, first started Impressive for the first six months, I was a full service agency. And I learned very, very quickly that, that I was going to, that I was basically the same as everybody else. So at the time, I remember I ditched 30% of our business which for a startup is a lot of money. Like it was like $600,000, right? Um, and I ditched all our creative our design development, that entire arm of the business. I just got rid of it. I outsourced it. I just gave it all to other agencies and I focused and we literally tripled in a year. So like, I think that that for me at the time, it just proved that I was onto something, right? That, that, that I specialized, we didn't generalize. And we carved our own niche, right? Like we carved our own our own path to success. So I can definitely a lot of what you're saying. I can I can definitely resonate with from a from a personal perspective. And even now, like for us, we have I've built an ecosystem of agencies that all specialize in different disciplines that support each other and complement each other. So you want web dev and UX? No problem. You go to Compa. That's what they do. That's it. That's all they do. You want performance? You go to Impressive. You want content? You go to King Content. You know, like so the it's not fucking rocket science, right? But it's it's grounding everybody down to the focus 
yeah. and to serve a purpose in that agency rather than just being diluted. And that's such a great point as well. When people, people are really scared of niching down because they think they're going to miss out on opportunities. And what you're saying is the exact opposite. By niching down and, 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 and removing many different things, you actually increase opportunities because people see you as an expert. You, you, you get paid a premium. People remember you. And the benefit that you mentioned that is not well known is that you stop competing with so many others. And therefore, you can build partnerships. And that's one of the key, exactly as you described, this perfect example again. You have now a network of other agencies that we are friends with, and you just refer uh, each other, or clients and whatnot. And that just wouldn't happen if you were like full service for everyone. You would see everyone to be your competitor. I don't see, I don't think I have, I, I started to look at direct competitors, like people who actually teach and consult on radical differentiation, and I can count maybe 10 or 15 in the world. So yeah, there's not that many, like a lot more, probably we talk about positioning and whatnot, but it's still very early. So I believe it's kind of early stage on this path. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I compete against almost no one, meaning I can build so-called partnership with almost everyone. So that's the beauty of that as well, that approach. So yeah, thanks for sharing because that's another benefit that people forget. Yeah. And I, and I think just on that point you just made, like building partnerships with everybody is a very quick way to scale. Right. And like that in itself is a scaling framework, right? Is, is, is partner up with those that can complement and, and can utilize, utilize your service. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, man, I mean, it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And <clears throat> I mean, what does the future look like for you? You know, like where, where are you 12 months or now, three years from now? Um, I don't, pl I, I've learned not to plan that far ahead. Even 12 months is a bit too long for me. Um, Great so, answer. <laughs> uh, I can tell you the next three months, the next three months, gathering feedback from the students, improving the standard workout program, launching a new cohort in late February, early March, and then do the best job I can there. And the, the, the point of standard workout is to, to keep it as a, as a premium type of offering, meaning there needs to be some sort of tension, meaning there's, there is a waiting list. Mm. It's not cheap because it's so valuable. And I don't want to overrun it early specifically. I don't want to run out of people who might be interested and I want to keep the tension on. So the, the idea is to maybe yeah, do it twice a year, but do give it everything I have for eight weeks and do bits of maybe consulting with a few clients that I, that I really like that need help one-on-one. And then we'll see, man. I'm thinking of potentially other programs in the future because in-house marketers, this is a segment that I'm not too sure how to serve yet. And the reason why I'm not too sure how to serve them yet is because they can't really influence the products or service they're selling. And, you know, that's a big issue. Like, that's what I was mentioning at the start, communication only. They're only basically creating content or, or creating ads, but then they can't influence the actual business strategy because radical differentiation positioning is marketing, is business strategy disguised as marketing, but it's really the business strategy. So I could teach them how to create radically different contents, you know, like, or you know, anything around that, but I'm not too sure I'm really toying with that idea because I don't know if you can get away with putting lipstick on a pig. You have good product, you have a shitty product, but then you do very good comes around it. I'm not too sure I want to teach that. So that's my very honest answer, man. I don't know what's going to happen in 12 months. All I know is that I'm very lucky. Uh, I think timing was right in a few occasions. I got lucky enough and that so far financially I'm good. You mentioned earlier on that, yeah, I left a, probably a comfortable salary and whatnot. I did, but I'm also lucky enough to be able to have been replacing it pretty much straight away through consulting and and uh, and uh, not stand the fuck out the first program because it was 
at a cheap price. But yeah, so far, so good. You made some very interesting points there as well, right? Um, it's, I've always picked a fight with three-year business plans. Like, you don't fucking know what's going to happen in three days, let alone three years, right? So I, I've never really looked at, you know, I might do a one-page business plan for the next three months because, you know, let's just get through the yep. next 90 days. We don't know. Did anyone plan for COVID? Guess what? Your three-year three, three year business plan is in the bin. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, again, you know, once again, I'm sort of agreeing with that and, I, and I'm, I'm off the same off the same thinking. So, yeah, look, man, that's that's great to know. And then, what, travelling-wise, when things open back up again, I mean, are you a bit of a traveller or what? Yeah, we used to, my wife, we used to travel a bit. Uh, I might go to Australia, who knows? You should um, come down to the uh, land, land down under. Yeah, but, uh, no, France is a place, obviously, I come back to, I used to come back to often to see family and friends, but at the minute, it's not possible. I haven't seen my family in more than a year at this stage. So looking forward to doing that first, you know? Yeah, nice, man. Very good. I know we touched on a lot of this, but like if, if I had to put you on the spot and ask for the first, let me give you, give me the top three tips for anyone that's, you know, wanting to go against the grain in a particular industry or a category. What would you recommend they do? So let's, let's specify further. Are we talking about people who have a product already or who don't have a product already? It's like a, a you or me, right? Someone that has worked in an industry or a category and, and believes that they, they can do things differently, like genuinely mm -hmm. with purpose, do things differently and they want to go against what everybody else is doing. Okay. So three very, very actionable tips. One, reach out to five to 10 friends or colleagues who know you very well and ask them, what do you think is my unique ability, my top strength, to think that I'm the best in the world at? Don't do it yourself. Don't take a personality test or any of that bullshit. Ask people around you what they perceive you and you'll see you'll be amazed at the commonalities that's going to give you a boost of confidence and also clarity for the next step next step interview five to ten of your customers if you have them uh, and by customers i mean specifically the people who with whom you really like to hang out with mm. you connect with personally and also professionally and you're proud of working with them and you're proud of telling your kids or your mom i work with them Uh, also that bring you good money, but not necessarily the ones who bring you the most because you probably might know yourself. Uh, clients who pay you a lot might not, you know? Yeah, you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> so making sure you talk to those people, it's really people who give you energy, who pay you well enough, who trust you. Interview them and ask them a few questions. Specifically, why did you pick us? Uh, what exactly is the reason uh, that you picked us? What almost stopped you from buying from us at the start? How would you describe it, uh, what we do to a friend? That kind of questions, which, which are ba basic customer development questions, you can find a lot of resources online, it's quite easy to do. Trust me, you will get so much data, it's insane. I'm working with a client at the minute and he was pushing back against a bit that, you know, he was like, I know everything about my clients. I was like, no, talk to them. And he came back with this huge smile on his face saying, oh my God, I've learned so much and I know exactly what to do next. So that's the first step is going to give you confidence. The second step is going to give you clarity. Third step is to pick category that is as closely related as you, as you say, marketing agencies, whatever, and list down everything that they do. And by everything, I mean everything that is related to the experience that customers get on the other side. So do they send you an invoice late? Do they, I don't know, do they all call themselves? Do they all, are they all generalists and whatnot? List down everything that they do and then remove as much as you can from it. So Like an example that is nothing related to agencies is a small burger joint in Dublin where they only offer one burger and the menu sits, uh, fits on a business card and you can only pick single or double. And that's only the only thing they do. And they radically differentiate from the rest by removing as much as possible. So that's the third step. 
you can't radically differentiate by adding and adding and adding shit. You must like remove, remove, remove anything that doesn't go with your purpose or that goes against your belief. Anything that is not really a perfect fit for the market, you're gonna pick. Anything that you know that your client doesn't don't like or consider as cliches, re like remove, remove, remove to the point where you're so laser focused, you have something valuable. So. You put me on the spot, but I think that's very actionable and people can do that literally today. Yeah, man. And I love the first two. It's like confidence and clarity, you know, which take you into the third step, right? So that's awesome. I love that. I actually just wrote down a shitload of notes as well. Uh, you've, bloody give, you've given me some ideas. Lewis, how do we find you? How do our listeners engage with you? Where, where other than obviously going to the website? Is there a, is uh, that's there a, it. Just you... Google Everyone Hates Marketers and then take it from there. You can listen to podcasts anywhere. Uh, you know that since you're listening to podcasts right now. If you want to email me with questions, it's Louis, L-O-U-I-S at everyonehatesmarketers.com. That's it. Awesome, man. I'll put that in the description as well. Louis, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. It's been, that was actually a pretty good conversation, actually. Are you surprised? Uh, I'm not surprised. Like, oh, but... shit, I'm going to talk to this French guy. And no, no, no. It went, and... it went to a place which I, I mean, frankly didn't think it would go um which is very close to me because i am doing a lot of work in it right at the moment so i'm i'm glad we went there right because as Likewise. i said right without sort of going into it again it's like if you don't have purpose just fucking stop and ask yourself what the hell am i doing you know and for a lot of people like that's very confronting right because they stop and they they can't answer the question yep and they freak out and they just continue doing what they were doing so yeah they go back to to their routine and correct Back to the rat race. I'm, talking, so, yeah. I'm glad we went there because it's, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I guess humbled and somewhat honored that there's others out there that are actually think the same. I'm not just this lunatic that, you know, <laughs> is off on a tangent, <laughs> right? Thinking on his own. So yeah, man, look, and if you ever come down to, to Australia, like, please hit me up. I'd love to, um, yeah, catch up face to face. And if I ever make it to Dublin, not that I would have any reason to go there, sure I'll do the same. <laughs> yes, thanks. I appreciate that, man. Pleasure. Thank you.